We are starting our series. Um, it's called Starting Over, Rethinking Singleness and Dating. And I'm going to challenge you to come every week to this series. I'm going to challenge you to come every week, not just because I like to see your face, but because I think this series is really going to help us. Whether you're single, in a relationship, engaged, or married, I believe this series can do something in our heart around this topic that is so untouched by the church. So we usually do an annual series on this. It's because it's such an important, relevant topic. So I'm going to challenge you to come every week for the next four weeks in this series. So as I get going to, we're in this series, we entitled it Starting Over, Rethinking Singleness and Dating. So what, you ever like been working on a project and you didn't follow the instructions or directions, or maybe you were writing a paper, and you were writing the paper and writing the paper, and then all of a sudden you like looked back on your paper, or for me, I was building this bed, right, our bed, and I didn't follow the instructions at first, and I was building it, and then I got to this point where I, I caught up to me, and I was trying to like, I was trying to fix the problem without having to tear the whole bed apart, but the longer I kept trying to fix the problem, I created another problem. So there came a point in making and building this bed that was really foolproof. I don't know how I screwed it up, but there was in the process of building this bed that I realized it would be easier to start over than it would be to fix the thing that I already broke. So some of you had a paper that you were writing and you're writing and you don't like your hypothesis and you're kind of like trying to make it work and then you're finally like, you know what, I need to start over. And my, my suggestion to us tonight is that I think most of us, our beliefs and perspectives on dating, although in the room this size, there's diverse perspectives on dating and relationships, I believe that no matter where we come from, that we all have some rethinking to do. Can I get an amen? The devil, the world, and culture has given us a lens to look through. These are really goofy glasses. I wanted you all to laugh at me a little bit tonight. So they've given us a lens to look through that we see dating. Isn't these crazy? These are crazy. They're, I don't wear these ever, okay? They're kind of a joke, and that's why I brought them tonight. So we need to rethink, because we have a lens that we look at relationships and ourselves through that I think we need to take off, and we need to put on a new perspective. We need to start over. So when I was dating my wife, Abby. Abby's right over there. Yeah, Abby. I was dating my wife, Abby, and, and I had a revelation or a change in perspective around dating, there was a point when I became more serious in my relationship with God that I started to realize I needed to rethink my pursuit of my then girlfriend. I realized that it was not just about me, but it was about preparing for something beyond the moment that I was in, and so I had to rethink some things. I remember distinctly being in my car, driving, and thinking about, instead of, it was, instead of thinking about you know, what we were doing this weekend, I started thinking about how I could serve and love and pursue and honor my girlfriend. It went from how are things going to how can I serve, love, and honor my girlfriend. It was a change in thought that moved from a me-centered perspective to a service, serving of my girlfriend perspective. And that was just when we were in the date. I remember distinctly having this change of mind. And kind of what I want to talk to us about tonight is this sentence, okay? This is what I believe our heart should be around the current season that we're in as young people, whether we are single, dating, engaged, or even married, is that I want to prepare myself to fully rely on God 
so I can fully serve another. So the, the, the spot that I'm in right now, I want to prepare myself to fully rely on God so that I can fully serve another. I'm just going to go out there and say that it's a very challenging time to be dating and searching for a partner right now. It is very challenging. And everyone's like, amen, it is challenging. Woman, you're being told from culture that you don't need a man, that the only way for you to be fulfilled is be autonomous and a self-made woman. Men, you're being told that your masculinity is toxic. You're discouraged and told to calm down. We've been portrayed on TV and movies as dumb and helpless buffoons. To make things worse, we have a world of celebrity couples who paint a picture of what a relationship is supposed to look like. To add on to it even more, the majority of men are consistently watching porn and growing numbers of women are watching porn as well. To make even matters worse, we have a hookup culture in which most people have already given away their virginity and they view sex as casual. Let's throw COVID in there where all of us forgot how to interact with each other and talk face to face. Divorce rates are sky high in the church and in the world. We have no or little role models. The Enneagram has convinced us and brainwashed, brainwashed us into thinking that if we don't marry the right Enneagram number, then we're going to get a divorce. Right? Oh, I'm not done yet. And we have a dating culture in church that puts pressure on us to get married or we haven't made it. So I'm just going to say, it's a hard time to be in the dating game right now as a Christian who loves Jesus and wants to do it the right way. And so I'm, I'm saying that on the onset just to like, just to like take a deep breath. It's hard. It's okay. You might feel like I'm struggling. I'm never going to find a partner. I'm always going to be single. Why am I the only one in my friend group? You might have all these questions. I'm just going to like give you a like pastoral shepherding uh, uh, voice here and just say like, calm down. It's going to be okay. God has you. He has you right where he wants you. And he's inviting you forward to invite him into the process in the days, weeks, months, and potentially years to come. Do you trust him? Do you trust that God is in this game, it's not a game, in this life with you? Do you trust him? I like that nod. I like that feedback. You trust him. That's good. So we've been sold a lie in our culture. And we've been sold it from a young age. We've been given a lens to view dating, to view relationships, to view sexuality, to view our worth. We've been put, we've been sold a lie, a perspective. And the perspective is all around this cup that I'm going to use. I'm wearing the glasses, I understand, okay. It's this perspective. It's around this cup. It's that I need a relationship or I need someone who loves me for who I am and I don't have to change and who will fill my cup. I have pain. I have all of these problems. I have needs, and I need someone. I'm going to find someone to fill my cup. This is the lie, friends, is that you are looking for a spouse or a partner 
who will complete you, okay? You complete me. Lie. And take these off. It's a lie. You and I will never find someone who will complete you. The only thing we'll ever find is someone who will fail us. And if you've placed them as master, lord, your queen, your king, your prince, if you've placed them on the pedestal of someone to complete you, you are actually doing the most unloving thing you could ever do, which is to put them in the position that they will ultimately fail you. You complete me. You fill my cup. Here's the truth about relationships, dating, and the pursuit of marriage, which dating is the pursuit of marriage, of finding a partner who you'll lay down your life for. Here's the truth. You compliment me. You're not looking for someone to complete you. You're looking for someone to compliment you. Someone who will love you, someone who has similar values, someone who, who, who loves God and loves people. You're looking for someone who is moving in the same direction in, as you, and you're looking for not the same Enneagram type or the complementary Enneagram type. You're looking for someone to compliment you. They don't fill your cup. They might bring some color to your mug. They don't, they, don't, they don't fill your cup. They bring some color and perspective and adventure and laughs and joy to your life. You already have everything you need in Christ. This person is a partner, not your source. Amen? So the lie is you complete me. The truth is you compliment me. We want some, someone who won't fill our cup but add some flavor to the party. Amen? So the reality is we've been sold this lens and we've gotten it mostly from culture. Okay, I want you to yell out. I'm going to give you a second to think. Yell out your favorite like romance, like maybe romance movie, okay? Like you know, your notebook. I don't know what even know what it is for you, but yell out your favorite romance movie on the count of three. One, two, three. Somebody yelled something over there. I don't even know what it was. What was it? That is, that's my favorite movie, too. Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Matthew McConaughey. That's my wife's celebrity crush, so. Who is your celebrity crush, then? You don't have one. Yes, Matthew McConaughey. So I, like, growing up in high school, like, right, that romance movie film was How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. I remember watching it. It's funny. You know what I mean? It's like this drama, this romance movie. But I, what I don't realize is I look back to those, like, romance movies, those, those romantic comedies and whatnot, and even The Notebook, and we're looking back, and I was asking myself the lies that I believed because of the movies I watched. And I saw How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, and I was just like, wow. Like I, like I, I, so many inner beliefs that I had about relationships growing up were formed by that movie and similar movies. This, the, it was all about me, and it was all about me, and then it was just all about the pursuit, and all about, all about the pursuit, and it was, it was just unrealistic. 
It's Hollywood. It has no substance whatsoever. And then we fast forward a few years, and then we get this new TV show called The Bachelor. And girls and women across America get swept away by this show and what's going to happen. And we think, well, you know, they, <laughs> my wife's kidding. they really do love each other. I'm like, they do not love each other. You cannot love each other on a celebrity TV show. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. So girls are like, oh, Jake, you can come talk, come talk to me. I'll argue with you all night, okay? I'll argue with you how they don't love each other. If you think they do, come on, we'll fight after this, Okay. Bachelor selling us narratives of what dating and relationships and love is all about. It's all a lie. It's all messaging from our, the father, the devil of lies, who's trying to destroy your life. And we think it's harmless and it's a relatable topic. We want to be able to talk with our girlfriends. We want to be able to talk with our guy friends. We, we want to be able to relate to people and culture. And so we indulge in the messaging that's destroying our perspectives. I'm not telling you to watch movies. I'm not telling you to, I'm not going to be that guy. But I will say, have a heart check with what we're putting before our eyes. Because it is influencing us. So whether we know it or not, we, are, we need to start over. And we need to rethink our singleness and our dating beliefs. We've been told that relationships, dating, and marriage are all about me. That is the message that we are sold. It is all about me, my preferences, my likes, my attra- what I'm attracted to. Me, 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 me. We've been sold that dating, relationships, and our pursuit of those things are all about me. And then we come to church, and we get in groups, and we have our old glasses that we don't want to take off, so we try to clean them, right, with Christian language. We try to clean them with holy prayers about this. We're trying to take, we're going on our knees to the altar saying, God, I want a godly man, but I still want it to be all about me. We have selfish prayers about our future. We go to God and we use God as a genie so we get what we want instead of taking off the glasses saying, God, it's not about me. Even if I'm single the rest of my life, God, that's not what I want. But if that's what you have for me, so be it. My life's not my own. I was bought with a price. It's no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. So I'll die to myself. I'll serve the church and I will be happy because I, God, it's not about me. Now listen, I'm not telling you to be celibate, but I'm saying is we all should do these thought exercises of even if, even if, would I still love God with all of my heart? Would I still love God with all of my heart if he called me to celibacy? Because here's the thing, friends, is that marriage does not make you a graduated Christian. You don't get your like member card at Res Life Church because you get married. In heaven, it doesn't have like, okay, all you single people, you go over there, you're like the JV team, like all you married people, you're over here, y'all are like varsity. That's not how it works. You know what Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7? He says, I wish that all of you, all of you would be single because the married people, they care about the worldly things, how to take care of their wife, how to pay the bills, how to raise their children. The unmarried person devotes themselves to the Lord and has nothing to care about. They go where the Lord sends them. 
But the married person has responsibilities from God to take care of their family. In the eyes of Paul, being unmarried was the more spiritual thing. Here's another fun fact. Jesus was never married. So which gets me to my point. Why is it that the American Christian church worships marriage? Is it a God thing? The church does it. I'm, it's very obvious that the church does it. But is that because it's God or is that because of culture? You see, the culture, the church has taken the cultural lens and we've just tried to clean it off. We try to clean it. Instead of preaching a message that says, if God calls you to singleness, is it still worth pursuing him? Is it still worth giving your life to? And if God brings you a spouse, praise God. Guess what? It's going to be the most difficult thing in your life. Dying to yourself daily. Never doing what you want. Laying down your life for another. It is the most beautiful thing that I have with my wife, but I can testify, so can Nick Mayo. It is the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life. Is it worth it? Heck yeah. Is it difficult? You bet. So many people get the Instagram reel, and we get the snap, we get all the highlights. You don't see me and my wife fighting. You don't see that this, this, and this. You don't see us going to bed angry, not all the time, but because I no longer live, it's Christ who lives. I have to die to myself to love my wife. And she has to die to herself and love this fool. This is the call to marriage. And young people think it's the how to losing guy in 10 days, but they don't show you once they get married, it all breaks down. They don't show you that part. They sell you on the romance. And they sell you about this message, this demonic message that has gripped all of our hearts, whether you admit it or not, that it is all about you. I can just be done there. I still got more in my notes. So here's my, my main point. I want to prepare myself to fully rely on God so I can fully serve another. Dating is I want to fully prepare myself to rely on God so I can fully serve another. You see, it's not about me. And marriage is not the destination. Christ-likeness is the destination. And marriage is an avenue in which God has given us that sanctifies us. But guess what? We can still get sanctified while we're single. Amen? We can still build trust and intimacy with God. And you know, I, was talk- I was thinking about it actually during worship. It was like going, like, what does it mean to be deep with God? What does it mean to have a deep relationship with God? You know what it means? It means you get past the surface level and you, you allow God into the attic of your heart. You allow them into the basement. Like that, you know, like you have that, you know, the living room's all clean. You know what I'm talking about? You have your home, and the living room's clean, the kitchen's clean, the bathroom on the main floor is clean, but then you go downstairs and it's like tornado. You know what I'm talking about? You have that room, like that trash room, like everything else is clean, or that trash drawer. Whole kitchen's clean, you got that drawer, blows up right in front of you. You gotta let God into that part. Like, let God, some, some of you don't even know how to do that. The point isn't that you don't know how to do that. The point is, is that you start trying. See, Christianity is not about behavior. Christianity is about a life with God where a human willingly opens up their life and says, God, you have access. Nothing's off limits. 
And I'm telling you, you can do that when you're single and get healthy, or you can do that when you're married and it's very difficult. If we do the hard work now to prepare ourselves, not only is it preparing us for marriage, it's preparing us for our calling to be Christ-like. See, it's not just an ends to a mean. It's not just so I can get married. It's so that I can be a mature woman or man of God for my world. And when you, when you eliminate the selfish desire for your spiritual growth, that's what attracts the person that you want to be with. See, too many young people are pursuing God to make themselves more appealing to the type of spouse they want. And they're not pursuing God of a pure heart that even if they don't get the spouse, they're still content. They may not be, they may not be uh, happy with their single, singleness, but they're content with it. We have to remove the idol of relationship. It has to be done. Even if you're in a relationship, the idol still might be there. You might be married. The idol still might be there. We have to remove the idol that a relationship is the goal. So three steps to preparation. Here we go. I'm going to close with this. By close, I mean I got seven minutes and 54 seconds. Offer God the idol. Three steps to preparation. Offer God the idol. Romans 12, 1, 2 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing, or holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Offer God, what? Present your gods as a living sacrifice. So as a, in a charismatic church, how we interpret that is like, come to the altar, give your whole life to God, go to Africa, go to the unreached. Have you offered your dating and relationship life on the altar yet? See, you see, we're so quick to offer everything that we really offer nothing. And I'm asking us tonight, have we offered the idol of relationships Marriage, have we offered that to God? Have we recognized that we have the idol? Here's some signs that you might have the idol. And I want you to yell out if you have, I'm kidding, I'm not going to have you yell out if you have the idol. Now, if you have the idol, <laughs> don't ever beat yourself up. You know what the best day of the week is? is when God shows you you have an idol. That is the best day of the week. You know why? Because if he shows you the idol, that means there's better days ahead. If you, if you, if you still live with the idol on the altar where you're worshiping, if you still live, then you're, in, you're deceived. We're deceived if, if we continue to live with the idol. So here's some signs that you might, or we might, have the idol of relationship or marriage. We are consistently messaging people on Instagram, Snapchat of the opposite gender or, cons or the same gender if you're same-sex attracted. We all consistently send messages to multiple people at the same time because the way we like the attention. We jump from relationship to relationship with no break in between. 
and actually, a way that we can know that we have an idol is if we feel deep rejection from a previous relationship. If we have like, if we have feel deep rejection and pain from a previous relationship, it probably means that we idolize that relationship or that person above God. So it doesn't mean that God's going to be, he doesn't hate us or he's not mad at us for that, but he's exposed, it's a, it's a sign that he, the relationship was above God. There are other signs too that we have idols and maybe the Lord is showing you those right now. But I'm going to appeal to us tonight that you offer God the idol. Second step to preparation is rethink the purpose of a relationship. Ephesians 5, 22 through 25 says this, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the, uh, head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Slow down, some of y'all girls are like, I ain't submitting to no one. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Listen, submission doesn't mean you, you, you do whatever he says. Submission is a willing submission to your husband as you submit to Christ. So he, he, here's a quick piece of teaching from Ephesians 5 for us tonight. Women, if you want to learn the the biblical Christian art of submission to a husband, not the, that, not the tyrannical submissiveness that never stands up for yourself, but the godly submissiveness, if you want to learn that, you first must submit to Christ. As we do that, we submit to Christ, we're actually under authority of Christ, and then as we learn to obey everything that Christ says, we willingly say, I'm going to submit and love my husband and treat, and treat him the same way that I have been treated or am treating Christ. And it says this to the husbands, to the men, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Men, here's your call. If you want to prepare for mar- a godly marriage, love the church. Serve the church. Read your word. Be a teacher. Be a discipler. Be serious about your faith. Go before God and say, God, I have a mantle. I have a responsibility before you to be a leader in my sphere of influence. And God, you have called me. It doesn't matter if culture calls it toxic. I don't care, God. I have received a mandate from you that I will serve the church. I will advocate for the church. I will love Jesus and I will serve my brothers and sisters with everything that I have. I will, ser- I will be a servant. Serve your friends. Serve your families. Serve your mother. Honor your mother. Because it says, husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church. <clears throat> Rethink the purpose of a relationship. It is not about me. It is all about God. It is not about me and getting my needs met. Rethink the purpose of a relationship. It is not about me and getting my needs met. It is about God's kingdom, and it is about me loving another person the way that Christ has loved me. And so I want to fill my cup fully by relying on God so that one day, if the Lord has this for my life, 
I can fully serve another. Rethink it. Bring it to God. Last, last point is get my confidence from God. This is a huge one, guys and gals. Get my confidence from God. Psalm 84, 1 through 2. My question as I read this is, do we feel this way? And if you don't, that's okay. But I'm encourage you to read this psalm at some point. It's just so challenging. Like I was reading this a few weeks ago, and I was like, do I feel this way? I want to feel this way. I don't know if I fully feel this way. Because when you feel this way, your confidence is in the Lord. Your confidence isn't from your relationship status. It isn't from your family. It isn't from anything. It is from God. It is from him. This is what the Psalm 84, 1 through 2 says. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts, My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. This Psalm 84 is someone who has put his confidence in the Lord. It is not someone who is is a a sail in in the winds of the ocean. It is just someone who has been with God, who knows God, and who knows what God thinks of him, and therefore he is able to serve others. Get, don't get your confidence from your salary, from your relationship status, from your college degree. Don't get it from how much money you have in the bank. Don't get it from anything. Get your confidence in the Lord. Receive our identity, who we are, from who he says we are, in order for us to serve another. Get your confidence from God. Amen? Amen, guys. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to close it out. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, God, for this, uh, God, this topic, this, this area of growth that we're stepping into. And I just pray by your Holy Spirit that you would help us, God, help every person grow in their intimacy and closeness with you. God, I pray that tonight idols would be exposed, God, and there would be humble hearts in the room that would be willing, God, willing vessels to be changed. God, I pray that pride would fall tonight, God. We would no longer think of ourselves as smarter or more wise than we ought to, God. I pray, God, that all the people who think they have a corner on the market because it's easy to talk to the opposite gender and they don't feel like they need a dating series because they have it all figured out, God. I pray that you would mark their hearts, God, and show them they are in desperate need to what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in this landscape. I pray, God, for all those that feel like they're rejected and they feel hopeless, God, that you would instill your hope inside of their hearts, God, that they would stop listening to the eyes of lies of the enemy and that they would get their ears attuned to your voice, to your leading, to the truth, God, which is they are chosen, they are beloved, God, they are warriors, they are capable, they have what it takes, God. I rebuke the, the attack and the voice of the enemy, God, tonight in the name of Jesus, that as we go into into community groups, God, that we would have discussion, God, that is honoring to you, God, that is growing to the family of God here on Thursday night. And I pray in the name of Jesus that anyone who feels that they have learned something over the years in this area would feel the boldness and courage to speak up and be a light to all those maybe who are newer to this dating game in the Christian world. And I pray, God, that we would sharpen each other and that the voice in the, in the truth of God would hit our hearts that we would be changed forever and we would pursue 
um, our future God with you as the primary opinion in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, amen.